Hey everybody, this is Belgariad and Beyond, the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter. And we've begun with the Belgariad series of books by David Eddings. Welcome to season three, episode 11. This season, we're reading book three, Magician's Gambit. And today we're diving into chapter 10. My name is Sondra Turnbull. I'm from the Goddess Kindled Universe and I am a... What am I? What am I this week? I am, I have not an author. I am an artist in training, therapeutic artist in training this week. That's what I am. Awesome. I love it. I'm Alicia and I'm a fantasy author and it's good to be back again. It is, it is, it is. So <laughs> I talk a lot. I feel like I've already <laughs> talked an entire show before we even started recording today. Oh, we did talk for a while. So <laughs> understandable. So let's That's go into okay. Pogara's cup and you go first. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> I literally had to pick out because I was I could have talked for an hour myself with everything I wanted to share in my cup, but I'm like, all right, what do you really want to talk about? My cup is, I, I say iced lemonade with lavender. One time I found this place that had lavender lemonade and it was like heavenly. <sighs> so I say that because I've been feeling a lot of divine guidance and protection recently. And the biggest moment came, well, I had a few moments of just like deep, you know, they, they say that deep, the, the peace beyond all understanding. Like I had some moments of that that just lasted for like a whole afternoon. And I was just going through life. Like I understood finally I was experiencing what I'd been reading about in those books that I read all the time. Mm-hmm. So one of those afternoons was I took my kids to karate. They both signed up for karate, which is a lot of fun. I love watching. I watched the instructor and I'm like, I want to get in there and like, I want well, to take Why don't class. you do it too? Well, as soon as I can enroll myself, have the means to enroll myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took a lot just to be able to get them in. So I'm sitting there. Um, well, this actually wasn't at during their session. We went to the karate session. It's in the park just to sign them up. It's them and their friends. And I was sitting with the uh, lady signing up my kids and um, my kids and their friends are playing on their scooters park, like I said, and the other mom is watching. So I have my back to where they're at and I just hear this scream of like panic and terror behind me. And I turn to see my older child, she's 10, zooming down this hill at full speed on her scooter and her face is white and I know that she doesn't know how to stop herself and is she on a path or on the grass she's on a sidewalk yeah there's thankfully there's grass all around the sidewalks but she's heading right to this metal barrier that stops the parking lot from the park but then right beyond that is the street so I'm just 
I stand up and I don't, I, I yelled something. I don't remember what I yelled, but I, I had that moment of, you know, uh-huh. you see your child and you're just like, yep. this could go so bad right now. Yeah. And I felt everything in me freeze. Yeah. I know she was terrified. I'm running, but I can't get to her in time. No. So I'm just yelling at her, like, stop yourself, stop yourself. And like the minute before she hits the, um, she's going to hit that metal thing, which would have probably ended her in the hospital. Um, I feel this like thing, like kind of just stop me, this, this energy of some kind. And it's just like, almost like saying it's okay calm down she's gonna be okay and right after that she dives off of her scooter I mean the speed she was going it's that thing where you're even scared to jump because you're like that could hurt me worse than just hitting this thing but she jumps in a way that she literally just like she glides into the grass on her belly I run up to her and she is so pale white and she's an olive skinned kid. Her face and her lips are white. And, um, she sees me and she's like, I'm okay. I'm okay. And she gets to her feet. She's not even crying and there's not a scratch on her. Nothing. Just her clothes are ruined, but I'm like, whatever, you know? And it just felt like that should have probably not ended that way though the speed she was going any way she would have tried to jump or just let herself hit she would have broken a bone or she didn't have a helmet on mm-hmm. I'll admit that I usually don't have them where I didn't wear a helmet as a child <clears throat> but she wasn't supposed to be at the top of that hill either they were mm-hmm. supposed to be riding around the flat area so yeah so that, that was a moment and we were both like just kind of in awe after that and other adults were, everybody in the park stopped because we both yelled. I don't know what we each yelled, but we were both like hey, in this you panic. And, her? and Alexis, Oh, you yelling. Because she screamed. Well, she yeah. screamed like a so scream she, that. Yeah, <laughs> I know that scream. Hey, that, that I'm one, about to die. Yeah, the, the one that and, alerts every mummy spark in your body (laughs) yeah so every parent is like whose child is that so they all react because they have kids so they know yeah so by the time I get to Lexus and I'm helping her up I see everyone's just staring at us and I'm Mm -hmm. like oh man but she had a couple of moms come over and be like never do that again never ever do that Mm -hmm. again I'm like you know and so um one of the dads though came up to her and this pumped her. He was like, that was awesome. <laughs> he's like, that was quick thinking. He's, yeah. he, he was like a stunt guy. So he's like, one of the best stunts I've seen in a year. <laughs> and I was like, well, thinking. That was a good way to um, move that through her, actually. Well done, dad. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of all this, just the scolding, you know, yeah. that the other moms were. I didn't scold her. I was just like, glad she was tired. Yeah. I'm like, next time you use your own scooter when you're going to the deep hill, don't take your friends. It's too big for you. Uh, right. <laughs> so, so unfamiliar I, equipment. Yeah. I just told her, I said, I'm just really glad that you had that quick thinking 
to get yourself off. Yeah. And she knew it's like instinct to just belly flop it. <laughs> Her yeah. arms are out here. <laughs> legs are straight. So there was nothing to break. She just hit here. Yeah. And it was on the grass. So oh, I'm so glad she's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I could feel like the protection just go in that moment yeah. around yeah. all of us. Okay. And it was really cool. Yeah. That's um, amazing. So there's been a lot of that and a lot of it is just for other little things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have to tell you, like, <laughs> I, you created something in me by introducing Lucifer into my life, the TV show. <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to impact me on a personal level so yeah. much. It's very um, philosophical. It's a very philosophical storyline. I really, there's a lot in there. It is. And there's also the, a specific storyline that's literally, like I mentioned it last week, I feel like they're telling my story on TV. Mm-hmm. And it's helped me sort out so many things mm-hmm. to, that I, I just feel so amazing mm-hmm. about things that I used to be like. And, and it was just like my ego blocking um, things that weren't, you know, how the ego is like, Oh, mm-hmm. I don't like this. So I'm just going to judge it <laughs> instead of just allowing people to be who they are. Mm-hmm. Like there's an episode where Chloe just, um, Lucifer's doing one of his things where he's driving her insane. <laughs> and <laughs> instead of her usual, like eye roll or whatever she's going to do, she just goes, he is who he is. Yeah. And I literally yelled at the TV. I'm like, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And I just felt like this immense, like everything just like lifted off of me in that moment. So yeah, I'm, I'm about at the end of season three now. Okay. I really love where the end of season three is at. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've literally been, been I've been binge watching it. I feel like it's one of the things I need to be doing right now, which it might seem silly is. to some people. No, no, I, I like, don't think that that's silly at all. Don't dismiss that. Any kind of whatever the med- form of medicine that you need, it presents itself to you. And if you are aware enough to notice it, then that's the medicine you need. Yeah. And then, and then it cracked me up because there was an episode, I remember at the beginning saying, this is, and when I still wasn't sure about it, I'm like, this is like, an, this is like bones, but with the devil and angels. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was a little bit irritated. And so then in season three, though, there's an episode. Yeah, he's yeah exactly like in the place. one you're talking about. Yep. He's not in a good place. And he, he clicked the TV on and he's, he's bones on there. <laughs> there he's, he's just like, and then he goes afterwards and he tells the detective, like. <laughs> he's been binge watching bones. <laughs> yeah. And he says to her, it's our story. It's our story detective. And I cracked up because I'm like, that's what this show is for me. This is my story. And I'm being Lucifer in that moment. Like, this is my story. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had a moment with that because I used to watch Bones and I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, me I too. I didn't finish. I didn't finish that whole... Um... I didn't either. It kind of got wacky. It got a bit... I was it just a bit wasn't bored. making sense. Yeah, I was just a bit bored yeah. with it. But that's, yeah, that's... <gasps> anyway. My sum up. Okay. <laughs> Well, that was exciting. I don't have anything nearly as exciting as that. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, you don't have a 10 year old anymore. So this is true. And actually it's interesting, interesting, actually. It's that that sort of, that sort of leads into what I'm going to say a little bit. I think you Mm. say you don't have a 10 year old anymore, but I have daughters. Yes. And they are adult daughters. Yes. Um, But um, so anyway, so my potion, my potion this mm-hmm. week is pear and walnut mead um, for the equinox, for the autumn equinox, because we're on the other side of that now by a day and the light is vanishing quickly as it yep. tends to as soon as we get to this side of equinox over here. And the shadows are coming and the cooler weather is coming immediately almost. And I really like this time of year as we start to turn into autumn. So pear and walnut mead, home brewed, of course, and it's delicious. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was enjoying in the garden this afternoon after all of my drawing. And um, the drawing that I'm doing is called Neurographica. And it's an art therapy technique for working through really deep issues um, really gently and profoundly, I'm finding. Um, it's amazing. And so I'm, I'm, some of the things I've been working through were well, one of the things was uh, soul retrieval. And I was explaining that a little bit in before the show. A little bit. I think I talked for about half an hour. That's <laughs> um, no, okay. I needed to hear it. <laughs> um, but one of the th- one of the um, moments that I was calling my soul back from was, you know, different things in childhood, different moments in childhood that tended that seemed to. Um, anyway, that doesn't matter what that was revolving around. That's not for now. But. Um, and, and then as I moved um, further through the pattern, it got to, uh, I thought I was working on me, but I think that perhaps I was switching with uh, my daughter a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and also by the time I've sort of worked through a few things, there was sort of my mother in the mix as well. And so I feel like by the time I got to the end of the session, I understood my mother uh, a little better, um, mm. well, a lot better. And and I think that I've I've mentioned before maybe a couple of times how I was getting frustrated because she didn't want to go in, enter into those deeper conversations with me anymore. She stayed like on the surface. It was just chit-chat. I don't know if I've mentioned it before. But yeah. it has been a big deal. So I think probably I have at some point in the life of Belgarit and beyond. Um, but I am I am kind of coming to the same place with um with my with my daughters in that I love them deeply. I care what happens. And at the same yep. time I and finally, like all the times when I thought I've gone, yep, this is their life, they've got to do their own thing, all the times that I think that I've done that, I haven't, well, I have, but 
a bit more each time, I think, that I've had that realisation when I've thought, oh, yes, I finally let go. No, I've just kind of stepped back a little bit, created a little bit more space in there. Mm -hmm. And now I can, I've lost all of that frustration with my mum. I see why she wants to just have surface conversations. Yeah. Um, you know, just to check in, make, okay, is everything okay? In that everyone's still alive, making bad decisions, making good decisions, whatever decisions you make, yep, you're making them great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that. Yeah. Because I... I can, I, I will not, I choose not to go into uh, a same cycle yeah. with either of them anymore because it's theirs. It's not mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as long as I keep trying to pull them out of whatever it is that they're going, trying to go through and choosing to go through, however many times they choose to go through it, holy shit, I've chosen to go through the same cycles repeatedly for fucking decades. So who am I to take their cycle process away from them or try to or attempt to? Yeah. Just because I think that I can save them pain or make it easier for them, which is incredibly arrogant, all I can do is love them and go, are you okay? Yeah, cool. Are you happy? Yeah, Mm -hmm. great. No? Oh, that's too bad. What other choice could you make? You don't Mm -hmm. know? Oh, will you work it out? Yeah. And I think that is the hardest thing that most parents never get to that place. It's so hard. You know? And that is the strongest kind of parent to be is that, that, you know, well, Let say, them, they have to go through it. You know what? I say that's hard, but I'm speaking in my past. That has been hard. Mm-hmm. Today, it was not hard. Yesterday, yeah. yesterday and today, it has not been hard. Yeah. It's felt soft and loving. It is. With no guilt tied up in there that I should have done something different. Yeah, so, I agree. I think that's a good place to be. That's my potion this week, my darlings. Sounds really nice. <sighs> okay. Oh, Garion's view, please. All right, so they arrived at the veil. So, and not what I expected, I'll say that. But uh, we see Aunt Paul. Or the birds talking to Aunt Paul. I guess she talks back a little bit. And then Sinidra is talking to a tree. And then Wolf shows Gary and the tower he lived in or grew up in or whatever it is and um, talks to him more about his history and about the powers that him and Gary and share and, and you know, how they're different and different people. So... This is cool. A nice vibe to the chapter, I guess. You know, laid back. They're all relaxed. They're all safe. So. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so 
Let's go into Wolf's Wisdom. So yeah, this is the front of the chapter. We when we come in, they're still travelling, and probably the the only thing that I would remark on here as they're making their way into the Vale is how the seasons seem to reverse. Mm. Because you remember when they're in the mountains, they were like snowstorms, and it seemed like midwinter. Yeah. yeah. By the time they get to the Vale, it's sort of summer. Haha. <laughs> Yeah, that is interesting. And like the little moment with the colts too, just running around, so happy to have the green grass and all of that to play in. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I assume we'll learn more about the magic of the veil and why it's, is it always summer there? I wonder, it just never goes through seasons. Well, I, I, I have wondered that too. And um I guess we don't know. I'm I'm trying to work out if it's because of the distance they've travelled. <clears throat> you know, like this is a certain point in you know how we change hemispheres and the weather changes. Yeah. Whether it's that or whether it's no, you know what? Because further on in the chapter, when it when Wolf talks about when he first came there, it was in a snowstorm. And he was against the wall mm. and he thought he was going to die. So they do have, it's not always summer there. Yeah, that's true. Yep. So I think perhaps it has more to do with the world and just it's a, it's a normal thing, but the direction they were travelling in, yeah. perhaps. Oh, I'm happy with that. Hadn't thought about that before. <laughs> And I'm going to let you talk because my voice has gone a bit coffee because okay. I've been talking a lot. <clears throat> but as they get into the veil, all the birds start to. And Gary and notices, so I'll let you talk about this. Yeah. So Mr. Wolf comments about it, saying that he'd forgotten. He forgets, I guess, that the birds talk to her because usually it's more of a private thing. It's not really that as noticeable but Garion says that he never noticed it before but now he is noticing so that's kind of interesting um but he actually hears the birds speaking now like they're saying polgara or like come talk to me or whatever the bird is saying i don't remember but they're actually he can hear the words that they're saying to her so uh this seems to just be you know one of her gifts as a sorceress that you know, and the thing, the fact that she turns into an owl, which is another kind of bird, mm -hmm. you know, makes sense. Yeah, and so, and this is also the first time that we see Garion projecting his mind to talk to the little cult, because um, did he did it in his mind? I missed that. Yeah, he did. So the cult, um, they get into the veil, and there's herds of like deer grazing, and you know, the cult just gets. Um, you know, he starts playing like a little horse and yeah. runs deliberately into the centre of the herds of deer to scatter them and he just thinks it's a wonderful fun and Garion calls out, come back, stop that. And Hetar sort of chuckles and says, oh, you know, he won't hear you. He'll pretend not to hear you anyway. Mm -hmm. And then Garion, it says here, Garion projects the thought 
get back here right now. And he does it more firmly than he intended to. And the cult, you know, stiffens and comes straight back and he looks really like, oh, I've done the wrong thing. And Gary sort of chides the horse and, and um, yep. Will says, oh, you know, come on. You were very young once yourself. <laughs> Don't scold him. It reminds me of my dogs. If I scold them too quickly and then they just kind of give me that look and then I'm like, I'm sorry. And then I'll like pet them and, and then they get all happy and they're just over it. <laughs> yeah. Best thing. That's why animals are so great. They don't hold grudges. Yeah. I think they're cats do though. <laughs> yeah. I don't like cats. <laughs> I'm allergic. It's the main thing, but <coughs> I've just never been a fan of their personality. Okay. Yeah, you either are or you aren't, I suppose. Oh, my voice. All right. <clears throat> so this is where they move into the, he sees the towers. Gary and sees the towers around them and he asks um, Belgrath. Yeah, well, just before that, there's a little thing with Sinedra. She's sort of looking at Gary and yeah. constantly. <laughs> right. She just seems to be looking at him all the time, nibbling on uh, her hair. Mm -hmm. And it makes Gary very nervous for some reason. <laughs> Probably is like a ticking time bomb. There's some sort of... Well, many obvious, different reasons. Yeah, so it's obviously connection there. Yeah. And then they go, then they're in the veil and... They pass three ruined towers. Yes, they start to see the towers. And a couple of them are kind of just um, ruins, uh, like ruined by time. And one of the three um, has been burned, like it's all black. And Gary wants to know if there was some kind of war, if there'd been some kind of war there. And Wolf is really kind of sad and explains that, no, but, the, you know, the two ruined towers belonged to his brothers, Belsambar and Bellmaker, and that they died a long time ago. And Garion's yeah. sort of is curious about that because he said, oh, I don't think, didn't think sorcerers ever died. And this is interesting, this, this, um, what Belgarath says here. <clears throat> they grew tired, or maybe they lost hope. They caused themselves no longer to exist. What do you make of that? In the context of that the universe doesn't allow unmaking, or, you know, think of all of that. What do you think of that? Well, that crossed my mind when I read that of like what they just said in the last chapter. So it sounds like they did unmake themselves though. Cause they didn't kill themselves. They took themselves out of existence. Yeah. So I don't know if that's, the, to me, that's the same thing that if they did do that, then it must've created some imbalance. I don't know. What's interesting, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, 
Like, um, Kuskarian says they kill, asks if they killed themselves, and Belgarath says, no, it's a little bit more complete than that. <clears throat> and and that would seem to indicate that they used that specific law of the universe to not exist anymore. <clears throat> and my ponderance is if the universe doesn't allow unmaking and if you try to unmake something, the power is turned on you on yourself and you simply cease to be, <clears throat> doesn't that in and of itself contravene the universal law of unmaking? Because like if, if it, so say I'm trying to unmake something. The universe goes, oh, no, sweetie, sorry, and unmakes you instead. That's still an unmaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is not allowed. <laughs> right. So these sorcerers found a way to unmake themselves regardless, though. Well, yeah, so it all happened, but... And so my, like, they must still exist in some form. (laughs) They can't be unmade because that's a universal law. The universe will not allow things to be unmade. Mm. Well, hopefully if that's the case and he's close this loophole later in the series and come back to this storyline. <laughs> I can't, I actually can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. Anyway. So yeah. then Garion drops it because the, because Belgrade's just doesn't seem to want to go into it. Mm, ask about the other one. It was Belzadar's. Yeah. The burned down one. He burned it down himself yes. when he left. Some kind of statement. Yeah. Sounds a little bit like Saruman to me, though he didn't burn any towers down. He's kind of like the wizard turned bad. Yeah, but he's a total asshole. Saruman is an asshole. <laughs> he really, I don't like him at all. Well, from what I've heard of Belzadar so far, he doesn't seem that likable. Yeah, okay. Maybe I have, I, <laughs> I, I think I have just more affection overall for all yeah. the characters. Like, it, I can't really talk about it yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I'm a Lord of the Rings person at heart. Mm. It's like, it's engraved in my being for some reason. Because <laughs> you, <sighs> so I always have to, you know, and I'm not alone. I mean, no. Name blank. Said he said in the group that he always compares Lord of the Rings to the series. Makes sense, Eric. Oh, Eric. Makes sense because you can see how much this guy pulled from Tolkien. Yeah. In so I many think... ways, which is fine. Of course, of course. I think that hmm, don't doesn't everyone to some extent, like every fantasy author, isn't there some yeah. kind of little element of high fantasy <clears throat> that comes from Lord of the Rings? 
Um, anyway, so uh, they're heading towards, like, it, Garen wants to see Belgarath's tower. And then he asks if Aunt Pol has a tower. And this has always irritated me. Can you tell? I thought of you when I read that part. <laughs> Why? Um, um, because it crossed my mind too that, like, well, the way he just brushes it off, like, well, we just never really had the time or something like that. So something similar is what he says to that. We never got around to building her one of her own. Yeah, that's the same thing. <laughs> I just didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, other words meaning I just didn't really care. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It probably has never elaborated on why, but, you know, I'm in this mindset right now because I, I just found out about J.K. Rowling and all of her little public faux pas she's doing right now. She's not, she's really not doing herself any favors at the moment. Yeah. And I listened to that. I didn't know about this. I listened to the episode of MuggleCast from like June mm-hmm. where they talk in depth about her comments. Oh, right. So my mind is kind of right there right now. And I was thinking about Polgara being excluded from the tower, mm-hmm. you know, is kind of like, uh, she doesn't matter as much because she's a woman or what is the reason? Yeah. What is the reason that that's an excellent, excellent question. Yeah. Well, like I mean, they, managed, they managed to do it for all the others. What, what the fuck? Did any of the pole, pole women, <laughs> like the pole Gara, pole, what are his wife's name? Paledra. Um, and okay, did any of them merit their own tower? Like, well, no, because they were. Was it just Polgar is the only sorceress? The others weren't sorceresses. No, Polgar's sister, twin sister. We discover Polgar has a twin sister called Belderin. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that um, uh, we don't. Well, we don't really know anything about her yet, so I can't really comment. But the names Polgara Poledra is their mother. So Belgara's mm-hmm. wife was Poledra. And we know from what he says when they're going through the tower, when he's going through the tower with Garion, the, yeah. he pauses at a chair and sort of mm-hmm. caresses the back of a chair, rubs it and sighs. And there are claw marks on it. And he comments that that was Paledra's chair. It's where she used to perch. She favoured the form of an owl. Mm-hmm. So she obviously has some kind of power because she can shapeshift. Um, her name's Paledra. Polgara's name is Polgara. That was interesting. Yes. Um. Anyway, what were you asking? Oh, we were just talking about Polgara not getting a tower. Yes, um, I'm just... Yes, I was... I like that you thought about me when you read that. (laughs) Yeah. 
I liked the part with the this tree though. Yes. The really old tree that just sits there, doesn't seem to yes. and there's no seeds. So in the no middle desire to in the so I'm procreate. Every time I read it, I try and properly imagine the vastness of the size of this tree. So it's in the middle of a meadow. It shades like literally hectares, like huge <laughs> amount of space. It shades. So it's a really huge tree. And Sinatra just goes nuts about it. Yeah, I like that whole little bush. She walks up to it and she's putting her hands and like it's it's all like she's communicating with it in her own way and then she starts climbing it and the squealing what yeah, was that maybe... comment somebody made about her squeals um it was funny i'll find it so she's making like little affectionate murmuring noises and like just hopping around in the branches oh it's silk and he says is there by any chance a tradition linking dryads with squirrels? And <laughs> yeah. to me, I took it her squeals, but also probably the way she's like scampering up the tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I totally think so. Um, and Dernick's concerned. Dernick's trying to classify it. He's trying to, you know, know. his ordered mind. He's just trying to find the little slot, the little box that the tree it. fits in, and he can't. <laughs> Um, yeah. Because, you know, there's only Mr. Wolf's like, there's only one of this tree in the world. We, de- we didn't name it. It was just always the tree. And, you know, Dirk's like, well, it doesn't have any berries. It doesn't have any fruit. And Wolf's like, well, it doesn't have to. This is one of it. It doesn't have to, like, create itself. Um, oh, and Aunt Paul makes a comment. It's a special tree. It sprouted the day the world was made. And it will probably stand here for as long as the world exists. It has a purpose other than reproducing itself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the purpose is. It's like the tree of life. This is the tree of life. In it this does world. feel like it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So then Mr. Wolf uh, tells Aunt Paul if they can manage without him and McGarrion for a little bit. He wants to take him to do some instruction. And uh, he actually takes him to his tower. So you get to see a little bit of Belgrath's, um, you know, home life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Just a glimpse at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels really um, sort of peaceful. Yeah, it's just really, it seems like a really modest yeah. tower. There's not like, it's nothing fancy. It's just... You can't short, see the door. Shorter than the other ones and kind of squat, round and squat. Yeah. And they, they walk in through a hidden door. It's like a hidden door until Mr. Wolf tells it to open up. <laughs> like it's been commanded thousands of times and it's just yeah. nothing. I can feel it. Like when, when that's described, it just feels like this familiar kind of surge been done so many times I could I really like that I can always feel that mm-hmm. that familiarity and they walk up the spiral staircase inside so it's not hollow it's like opens to a staircase it goes up to a room at the top of the tower and it's really thick with dust and there's 
there's a parchment everywhere and there's curious little gadgets and gizmos and it looks in my imagination it looks like a proper wizard's tower with just you know curious stuff everywhere yeah and there's a little comment about the toy that he he had Polgara play with because she had a <laughs> yeah. a penetrating voice as a child. <laughs> it's like, it sounds like kind of all sounds cool, but then at the same time, every single parent can understand that comment. Totally get that. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. I read so that, I, I'm like, oh, that, if I had a toy that did that, I would do the same thing. Because Gary says, isn't that cruel? I like that the, the, the toy is a stick that has only one end. Now I have, every time I read this, I pause and I go, what exactly does that look like? And try and work out in my head what it looks like. <laughs> Which I guess is the whole point. Yes. Like, can, can somebody in a physical form actually see what that would look like? Which is probably what kept her so busy. I wonder what she actually see as she looked at it. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, that would make me think how she was so taken by it because she just couldn't wrap her mind around. Uh-huh. You know, like you can't actually visualize that. That's a very interesting thought. So it took, um, so apparently it took her five years. She spent five years trying to figure it out. <laughs> She's yeah. a very determined little girl. I guess so. Um, then, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, then he, he mentions that her sister was the quiet and happy little girl. Child. Belderan. But the Aunt Paula seemed never satisfied. Yeah. So I know they, they mentioned she had a twin sister before. Did at they? Some point. Yeah, because I already knew it somehow. Okay, okay, cool. It might have been... And one of the prologues and that craziness that I don't Ah, of course. Yes, of course. And you had to explain it to me a little bit. And I was like, oh, okay. So she has a twin sister. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know what is really important in this whole conversation to point out. He kind of just goes through the history of a little bit of Paul and her sister and his, uh, his wife. Gary and his, like, never really considered he'd ever have a wife, but... It makes sense since he has Polgara. Um, I did like the explanation of the names, though, because I didn't make the connection of Polgara with Belgarath. Because Gera and Gera is in both of their names. Ah, I didn't realize that. Okay. Well, when but he um, actually says that. Yeah, he does. Uh, when he calls Garian Belgarian. Yeah. So that's interesting. Did you want to talk about the names? Or I noticed in the sheet that you... Yeah, well, I was just trying to find the page. I can't find it. That's. I think it's on... Uh, it's a bit later. But before they start talking about the names, Garion talks a bit about, like, um, he's, he's asking what some of the different contraptions are for. And Belgrath, like, like for example, Belgrath says, like, um, this one was when I was trying to discover the reason for mountains. Because mm-hmm. uh, everyone, everything has a reason. 
And then another one of them is um, Why Stars Fall. I liked that. That was a creative explanation. It's in those moments I'm reading other fiction that I'm like, man, I want to have that kind of imagination to write my fiction. Yeah, so apparently the reason stars fall is to do with the rotation of the Earth and it's to do with balance, so that when a star that's too close to the world, like when um, when they need to rebalance, a star, a star falls so that things can keep turning the way that they should, basically, something like that. Yep. Um, and then they talk about when Belzadar came and Belzadar came to the Vale and Belgarath put away all of his work to train him. And then, you know, he talks a little bit about how he came to the Vale himself. And he came when he was young and he was just a thief looking for something to steal. It was freezing. It was a snowstorm. He was in the middle of, you know, he, he was by himself. He just curled up next to a pile of rocks, he thought it was, but it was actually Aldous Tower. And the way he talks about it, it's like, you know, I was sniveling and, you know, the sound disturbed my master. And he let me in probably to quiet me down more than for any other reason, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem to match with the picture that I've been painted of Aldous so far. What do you think? I I don't think I really had a picture of Aldor very much yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, um, that's cool because, you know, stuff in my head. Yeah. Mm. I, okay. So, I don't know. I just, it kind of is like, like how Mr. Miyagi's the master, but at first it seems like he's being mean. Yes. Kind of. Yes. But he's really doing it for the benefit of the the person he's training. That's a really good analogy, actually, because um, Valgaris says, you know, uh, Garen's like, oh, he made you a sorcerer instead of, you know, you stealing something. And he's like, oh, no, he made me a servant, like a slave. Yeah. And I worked for five years before I even knew who he was. (laughs) Yeah. It's the same idea with Mr. Mm. Miyagi, yeah. How he yeah. makes them work first. And they're like, why? I'm not just your... Exactly. Um, yeah. You know. And so Aldir keeps pushing and pushing and pushing him, asking him to do impossible things until he find, until Belgrath finally got angry enough to, to move the rock that he'd been told to move with his mind instead of his back. And that, of course, is what Aldir had been waiting for. And then he changed... Uh, Belgarath's name from Gareth to Belgarath and started teaching him. Yeah. And then this part, when they talk, Garion says, the stone you mentioned, was it the orb? And he says, yes. And they're talking about the stone he lifted? No, 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 no. So at the same time that Belgarath became Aldur's disciple, it was a quite a bit later than the time when he moved the rock and had his name changed. It was oh, a long time later that he became Aldous' disciple and it was at that time that his master had just started 
working on a round grey stone he'd picked up by the riverbank. So it's just an ordinary stone that he'd started, I guess, working his magic on, working his godly magic. So that kind of, I guess that's kind of trying to give us the the years, you know, how many, how long the time had been between events, yeah. some yeah, to some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they talk about the orb. It was just an ordinary rock until my master touched it. And um, he learned the secret of the will and the word, which isn't really a secret. It's in all of us. <laughs> yeah. He says. Yeah, he gets he's really kind of lost in thought and history in the tower, it seems. Yeah. I think the talk of the orb being created, you know, it was a lot. That's like a big thing to understand. Like that's how it was created. And uh, they kind of shift into, you know, the, the talk about how Aunt Pole can do things that Balgarath can't do and Hungarian can do things that neither of them can do. Mm-hmm. And that how it's like the power using the power of the mind, it's going to be different for everybody. Mm-hmm. It exists in everybody, but most just don't. Is that what he's alluding to? That most just don't even know about it, so they never use it. Well, I think that that's um, very true, and um, perhaps um, some people are more uh, prone to doing things this way because of the way they think. As they talk, they talk here about people not necessarily being more powerful than one another, but right. their <clears throat> thought processes are different. Right. Yeah. It's, it's all just different. And it's, I believe like life experience as well as how their mind works influences mm-hmm. how they use their power. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess that once you become a sorcerer, once you unleash this power, it affects the way that you age. And so you have a lot longer to develop the complexities of how your mind works. Like you just have more time to work on that kind of stuff and for it to naturally develop. Yeah. I guess. So this, yeah. This uh, the Garian's starting to realize during this conversation, like how much he really has to learn, and why Aunt Paul has been trying to get him to listen for so long. Yep. And now he's ready. And Mister Wolf is like, "I knew you'd come around." Yep. And a when, but I knew you would. And so, um, uh, Garian doesn't understand. Like but Belgarath observes that. You know, for example, Gary, and you seem to be able to do very complex things, you know, very simply. Um, and Gary doesn't understand. And Belgrass like, well, maybe it's because, you, you know, maybe it's because you don't realise how difficult they are. Um, yeah. You know, you, you cured that crazy monk. Um, but you you in the moment you cured him you had to understand the full extent of his insanity in order to cure him 
you know, that's, that's really, uh, that's a really difficult thing to do. And the cult, that was, you know, that should have been impossible. And Garion said, yeah. well, you know, I just, it was just a wall. I would just reach through the wall. Um, and <laughs> Belgrath's like, yeah, see, you have this extraordinary ability to, to see things very simply, but, um, you know, you must be careful not to oversimplify things, you know, because, you know, there, there are dangers in that. You know, sometimes if someone's dead, they're, they're dead for a very good reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting conversation that they start to get into. And, you know, it's just like the surface of it. Mm. So it's um, always cool to see what comes as yeah. he starts to actually train now, like officially yeah. let instruction happen. Yes, so so it's like, yes, I definitely have to learn to get myself under control. Um, you know, a little bit of, oh, I wish this hadn't happened, wah, wah, wah. And um, I suppose I better just get on with things. And so he's made up his mind that he's going to train, that he's going to learn, and he's going to learn to control himself. Mm-hmm. And then they have a little bit of talk about the names yep. and the meanings. And it comes from his old tribe, apparently, from mm-hmm. Belgarath's old tribe, you know. Um, in his old tribe, Polgara would have just been Gara. Pol is like Bell. And her name comes from his because she's his daughter. Mm-hmm. And Gary and Gareth, so it's all sort of tied in together. I haven't ever taken the time to write things down and do a little bit of a mind map. I've thought about it sometimes, you know, taking all the names <laughs> and going, okay, how does this shit work? There seems to be some kind of inconsistency that I can't quite pinpoint, but I haven't put my... Yeah, it's tricky whole... to do a story like this. You have yeah. to map it out as the author otherwise. yeah so it just yeah. feels like there's some sort of inconsistency there that my brain just because i'm a little bit ocd i like things to be you know exactly where they're supposed to be in category categorization <laughs> is kind of you know a thing that i've taken it's important let's just say that to me um yeah. and there's something there that just, uh, hasn't ever quite fit have hasn't set sit perfectly comfortably with me every time I read it I'm like just not quite right yeah anyway (laughs) (laughs) yeah I get it Uh, I have OCD stuff too on certain things and then sorry keep going no I just it's that's I mean this is pretty much the wrap-up here is this Gary and is kind of pondering about like oh kind of would be nice to just be Garyan again even though he's not fully Belgarian yet he has a long way to go to get there and Mr. Wolf tells him yeah but even if you could walk away you wouldn't actually do it would you and he's like no <laughs> no so, he's committed to the hero's journey now he's accepted it yeah Stepped so the path yeah, he just asks Mr. Wolf if 
if he could show him that rock that Wolf lifted up and he wants to try to do it himself. Mm -hmm. And it so. appears that way. Yeah, so his only comment is, it's a very big rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the end of the chapter. Did you like it? Yeah, it was good. It had a lot of like Shire vibes for me. Oh like yeah. Being in being in a hobbit hole like Bilbo, you know, he's got all this stuff scattered everywhere and it's not it probably would be dusty, even though in the movies it doesn't look dusty. It probably actually would be. Yep. Well it the says there's a collects. thick layer of dust on everything. Yeah, but I mean like the hobbit hole. Ah oh. Bilbo's hobbit hole. It reminds oh, me of that. Yeah. You know, he has all his stuff, his scrolls and his, like... I've never imagined it any of it dusty, though. It's always a very clean hobbit hole. I don't know. I mean, they, I guess. I don't know if it says that in the book. I don't remember. But in the cozy. movies, it looks very clean. It's cozy, yes. But with all of that stuff, yeah. could you really keep it dusted? I mean, that's a lot of stuff to move around. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I don't dust very often because I have so many little knickknacks. Me neither. I had someone over the other day. <laughs> I think it was Hanukkah's sister was over and touched one of the bottles of mead and there's, like, so much dust all over the bottles. And, like, and you couldn't see it until she touched yeah. it and all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, it's so thick. I'm going to have to go down and dust them all. <laughs> yeah. It's just not a priority, you know? <laughs> When you're in the middle of like creating stuff every day, you don't want to go clean. No, no, no. <sighs> okay, All what's right, your so... magic? Uh, my magic was the the connections between the names because I just thought it was kind of cool. I never, I never would have made the connection had it not been blatantly pointed out that. Oh wow! Really? Gareth. Yeah, Gera comes from Gareth, like Belgrath and Polgara. Belgrath and Polgara, I would have never seen a connection between those names. Okay. So, that was kind of cool. Um, my magic is the birds talking to Polgara. I really like that. I like the... Because Polgara is often painted as, you know... Uh, waspish and sharp and I just love that she gets lost in this whole other world and she gets really gentle and when it talks about the um, little sparrow going, Polgara, look, watch me, watch me, look at me, look at me. And Polgara mm -hmm. just sort of smiles gently and the bird like, gets, you know, swirls and swoops and shows off yeah. for her and she just is so, um, she feels really loving and gentle and not that she's not, loving and kind you know but there's this hard edge to her that she loses when she goes into this um world of bird conversation that I just really like yeah it is nice what about your real life mm. oh I just mentioned this actually but um the fact that Wolf, his comment about there's no point in cleaning, when he tries to start cleaning up and then he's kind of like, what's the point?
point. It's just going to get dusty all over again. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that a lot about my house because yeah. I'll try to like go out behind the kids and clean and all this. And then I'm just like, <laughs> yes. come and mess it all up again. Why yeah. am I doing this? <laughs> I feel you, babe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so mine is the way Belgareth relaxes into the energy of the veil. Um, you know, he just kind of, it talks about him losing that um, alertness, the ever-present alertness and ability to kind of change direction immediately and make really swift decisions. He just kind of loses all of that <clears throat> super intense alertness and completely relaxes. Yeah. Goes into this other space. And that's how I feel about my home. That's mm-hmm. that's how I feel here. I was, this is that kind of space for me. That's and I'm awesome. um, that's a different experience for me to have, like a space yeah. like that. And I love that it's my home. Yeah. When I lived in the apartment by myself, that was how I felt every time I'd walk in because it was all, well, I had my, my girls were there sometimes. It was only my scents. Mm-hmm. It was like my oils and the food I had just cooked before I, and you know, you walk back in, you kind of just hear, smell the lingering of that and stuff. And I get it, you know? Yep. It's yeah, nice to have it. a space that's that for you. That feels really important to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, Prophecy Speaks. Yeah. (laughs) Would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? I can go. Um, Sandra knows what this is. And if you have a before the show access, you know what this is too. But just for the sake of not being TMI, because some people don't like to hear about personal problems, physical problems, I have a minor physical discomfort that keeps recurring like almost on a weekly basis, it feels like. It's probably like a few times a month. And I just really want some guidance on how to heal it for good. I don't want to have it come around anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm using the first book, A Game of Thrones, from the Song of Ice and Fire series by George R. R. Martin. Uh, this series has been coming up for me this week because my cousin has finally decided to finish watching the series. And I'm getting all these texts from him about like, oh, blah, 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 blah. I don't like this and this and this. Like, well, <laughs> I love it. So get over it. <laughs> um, anyways. So yeah, how can I heal this for good? <laughs> uh, the queen's face was a mask so bloodless that it might have been sculpted from snow. She rose from the table, gathered her skirts around her, and stormed off in silence, servants trailing behind. Jamie Lannister put a hand on the king's shoulder. 
but the king shoved him away hard. Lannister stumbled and fell. The king guffawed. That word. Uh, the great, the great knight. I can still knock you in the dirt. Remember that king slayer. He slapped his chest with the jeweled goblet, splashing wine all over his satin tunic. Give me my hammer, and not a man in the realm can stand before me. Jamie Lannister rose and brushed himself off. As you say, your grace, his voice was stiff. Lord Renly came forward, smiling. You've spilled your wine, Robert. Let me bring you a fresh goblet. Sansa started as Joffrey laid his, arm, his hand on her arm. It grows late, the prince said. He had a queer look on his face as if he were not seeing her at all. Do you need an escort back to the castle? No, Sansa began. She looked for Septimordane and was startled to find her with her head on the table, snoring soft and ladylike snores. I mean to say, yes, thank you. That would be most kind. I am tired and the way is so dark. I would be glad for some protection. I don't know. Should I keep going? No, no. What is it? Anything that's coming up for you? No. <laughs> the last thing that you read stood out for me. Yeah. The way is dark and I feel the need for some protection. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let me read the next piece then. Joffrey called out, Dog. Sandor Clegane seemed to take form out of the night so quickly did he appear. He had exchanged his armor for a red, red woolen tunic with a leather dog's head sewn on the front. The light of the torches made his burned face shine a dull red. Yes, your grace, he said. Take my betrothed back to the castle and see that no harm befalls her. The prince told him br brusquely. And without even a word of farewell, Joffrey strode off, leaving her there. <clears throat> okay. Um, so there, <clears throat> are you getting anything? There are a few things. Okay. Um, <clears throat> no. The only thing that popped up to me as I was reading is when I saw Sansa's name, I felt like, ooh. It's probably going to be with Sansa that I find my answer. In and then respect? you pointed out, um, just because of all the characters that were right here, oh, Sansa okay. is the one I relate to most. Okay. Um, and then I pointed out. You pointed out her quote when she says, I mean to say, yes, thank you. That would be so kind. I am tired and the way is dark. I should be glad for some protection. <laughs> so, so why, why is that know. making you chuckle well i mean because i was talking about divine protection earlier so that word is like coming up again um but i don't know what the way being dark and needing protection has to do with why and the other thing how i can heal okay and the other thing that i got at the right at the very end there was uh, the king's leaving, like, leave, uh, protect her, like, she, just leave her behind. I'm leaving, leave her behind, and it's protected. And 
very often when we have a recurring physical ailment, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a pattern there. There's an energetic pattern. There's emotional stuff tied into that that triggers, 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 triggers. There's, a, there's decisions that we make over and over again that trigger, 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 trigger. And there's a reason yeah. that we do that. And very often it's for some kind of self misguided self-protection because it creates a situation in which we are required to behave a certain way, which um, keeps other things away from us or puts us in a certain frame of mind. So anything coming up? Um, anything that I would be feeling like I need to protect myself from that's putting me in a, in a frame of mind that might trigger this. Is that what you mean? Well, I'm just, I'm just saying stuff. You tell me what's coming up or nothing. Um, I, I guess I feel like my energy needs a lot of protection in my living space right now. Um, that I feel like I always, I have the sage always. And whenever it's just me here, I always just go around and like, you know, and I have my crystals everywhere now just to help keep the space somewhat livable in for me. Mm-hmm. So I guess I have my guard up a little bit or maybe a lot when it's mm. not just me here. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And even my, even my kids can sometimes just be like, let me go sit outside for like 30 minutes and just don't talk to me, please. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe. Yeah. Like you, you, you systems know. have been on alert for a number of different reasons and you're really, um, intimate systems of alert have been on overdrive for a long time and for if if it is to do with what you're eating like this is something that's come up before it's something you've dealt with before if it's to do with what you're eating you're still making those same choices to eat those same things and there must be a reason Mm mm-hmm yeah, I do. I eat the foods I know that aren't feeding my body because I feel like I need some kind of comfort in my day. Mm-hmm. There you go. Just, How do you heal this? You find the comfort in other places. Right. You nurture yourself in whole ways. Make each leave leave the queen behind in the castle and make some different choices <laughs> so now you're telling me to do what joffrey did and he's the worst character in the book no, and the more you resist <laughs> um, i don't know these characters i'm just talking about the prophecy in the I'm words you spoke so you know the the more we resist stuff the more we drag it with us because we're directing so much energy to keeping it away, keep away, keep away, keep away. When most of the time, if we just let it come towards us, if we turn, stop, let it come towards us, it just 
just and it can go it can fuck right off we're the ones who hold it here in front of us no 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 Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. The yeah, the habits I built up with food, and I st- it's not that terrible eating habits, but it's enough for me. My body, my my body is sensitive. That even if it's just like a chocolate in the afternoon, that's still like vegan and natural sugar. Um, if I'm in a place, yeah, my body is gonna go. Nope. Don't do that. Okay. I see. It's all connected. It is me putting better foods in my body, but the foods is actually connected to an energy and emotion thing. Always is. Yeah, I know. Was that helpful? Yeah. Now I just have to get on myself to break these eating habits. And like you say, find the comfort Yeah. in a way that's the whole and healthy for me. Yeah. So it's not about stopping something. It's about giving yourself what you need. Yeah. In a better way. That doesn't make you feel crappy. Right. Makes sense. I'm just processing, like, how am I going to start cooking food that I enjoy eating? (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, that will come. Yeah. 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 I'm good. I know. It's not your favorite thing, but, you know, maybe don't start with the cooking. Start with, as I say, something that is comforting. That's not eating. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a drawing yeah. session. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's why you told me about it. <laughs> maybe that is my answer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. All right. So my question is also to do with diet. I've forgotten that I wrote this. I only wrote it a couple of hours ago. <laughs> so my question is meat or no meat? Uh, because it feels like something's shifting in my dietary needs yeah at the moment and um i'm i don't we don't eat a lot of meat for a couple of years now um and i'm i'm not and um i've sort of been operating on the well when i feel like it, we have it which really isn't very often um so I don't actually know why I'm asking this question, but it just feels like I need something different. And so start mm-hmm. with meat or no meat. <laughs> so the Easy book one. I, yeah. <laughs> I could ask a more Think. generic question like, is there something shifting? But that's really not going to give me anything. So I'm using a book called Her Land by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. We have done what we could alone. Perhaps we have some things better in a quiet way, but you have the whole world, all the people of the different nations, all the long, rich history behind you, all the wonderful new knowledge. Oh, I just can't wait to see it. What could I do? 
I told her in so many words that we had our unsolved problems, that we had dishonesty and corruption, vice and crime, dis-ease and insanity, prisons and hospitals, and it made no more impression on her than it would to tell a South Sea Islander about the temperature of the Arctic Circle. She could intellectually see that it was bad to have those things, but she could not feel it. We had quite easily come to accept the Herland life as normal because it was normal. None of us make any outcry over mere health and peace and happy industry. And the abnormal to which we are all so sadly well acclimated, she had never seen. The two things she cared most to hear about and wanted most to see were these, the beautiful relation of marriage and the lovely women who were mothers and nothing else. Beyond these, her keen, active mind hungered eagerly for the world life. Okay. So I'm hungering for something that's different to what I've got at the moment. I can't picture it. I can't taste it. I can't feel it. But it's something that I'm not having at the moment. So this is telling me, yes, there's something shifting. My question is meat or no meat. I guess I just try it and find out. <laughs> Which is not helpful. That's just like sensible. It doesn't feel like prophecy. What's, what is it? What are you getting? There was one line in there about, I can't even remember the words now. It's something about um, doing doing something that they weren't sure about because everybody else was doing it or something like that. Yeah, just just say it the way that you captured it. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And that was the only piece that stood out to me about the meat or no meat is that uh, like they're in a place where they're kind of just like going with what everybody else is doing because it's that place and that's mm -hmm. what you do there. But, and that's kind of like how our society is. You eat meat. That's what you do. <laughs> At least in the United States. I don't know about the Netherlands. But oh yeah, big meat. Yeah, I was raised in a society that says you got to eat meat to be healthy. It gives you protein and all that stuff. And, you know, and you guys are still eating meat right now and you're considering not. not right. No, we eat very little meat. Mm. Well, the feeling I got was that, you know, based on everything we've talked about in this episode um, and knowing what meat does to the body when you eat it makes it yeah. very acidic um, that everything you're working towards right now makes more sense for you to try no meat at all yeah for a little and then if you don't if you don't like it and you you don't think having a little bit here and there is damaging to you then you see, that's, the thing. that's what we do at the moment. Like I, I enjoy not eating meat. I like not feeling heavy. I like not feeling slightly nauseated, like, which is how <laughs> yeah. I was feeling every day when I was eating it. 
But I don't know, it just felt like, I don't know, energy shifting so dramatically. It felt like, feels like I have a need to give myself something different and more substantial or not that the food that I cook isn't substantial, but I don't know, maybe I just need to pay a bit more attention to how I'm cooking. Oh, okay. There we go. There we go. I need to be more conscious as I'm preparing the food. There we go. Not just doing it because that's the way I do it and always have like, that's the way I just do it. And like thoughtlessly, I need to be present with the food as I'm preparing it and cooking it. That's the difference. That's the difference. Right. It's like Kimberly Snyder because she's a nutritionist that she always says when you're preparing your food, you do it with love and you pour the love into your food as you prepare it. And then when you give it to your family, it's like that much more nourishing. And I think this is actually this fits because I kind of went into a burnout a couple of weeks ago. I think I talked about it on the show. And I just lost all of my creative everything. I, I, I had no appetite really. I didn't feel like cooking. I wasn't inspired to cook anything, which was really unusual for me. I'm just now starting to kind of get that back a little bit, but I'm not there. Like I'm not feeling like, Oh, I want to bake. I want to cook, which kind of was my happy place for a really long time. So, right. So I want to maybe put some energy towards healing that part of uh, my, my, my life. Trying to kind of put some energy and fuel into that. Mm-hmm. That's me. Sounds good. See, so you start at one place and you go where you need to go. Yep. It's true. How about a hashtag? Uh, well, prediction first. Oh, sorry. Okay, so. uh, Sorry, I just found a postcard inside the cover of this book. Oh, wow. Oh, it's in Dutch. <laughs> Lieve Marielle, on ontzettend gefeliciteerd met je afstuden. Afstuden? You did it, girl. I love that about Dutch. They mix in English with Dutch. Uh-huh. Geniet van alle nieuwe uh, something in zorg daarbij geduld voor jezelf. Alle liefs, Meryl en Mariette. Oh, Utrecht, uh, 24th of the 3rd, 2011. 
Uh, wow. Adieu, mon amour. Wow. That's so cool. That's pretty cool. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I think for the next chapter that Garion's going to have some time to start training his powers with Wolf, and that maybe it'll just be a moment of like peace for them, just in the they're in the veil. They have some bonding time. Maybe it's some antics just for fun going on. Fun antics. Yeah. Let's bring on the fun antics, I say. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, yes, hashtag. No tower for pole. <laughs> <laughs> Pulse tower. Yeah. Pulse tower? Sure. Or do you want it to be no tower for Paul? A Paul's tower sounds more encouraging. It does, just to... <laughs> <sighs> okay, so we're at the end of the show, darling listeners. Thank you for hanging out with us, listening to all of our chatter, chatter, chatter. Uh, please remember... If you're at the end of the episode, you probably don't care, but please remember that you can find the segment times on the website so you can skip to um, the parts of the show that you want to listen to. If you don't feel like listening to all of our blah, 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 you can skip over Paul's cup and go straight to Garion's view and then into Wolf's Wisdom if you just want the chapter conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll find the show times and all the extended show notes at the website, which you'll find at belgariaandbeyond.goddesskindled.com. So head over there, check it out. I put extra bits and pieces in, you know, random shit, videos, stuff. And you can also sign up for the mailing list, which promise you won't get bombarded. You'll get a notification when a new episode comes out and if we've got something super special or um, coming up, which we don't very often (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you will get an episode to remind you that the show's come out. Um, an episode, an email. <sighs> I think I'm tired. So you can also leave us a voice message, which and you'll find links to that in the show notes. Um, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Belgarian and Beyond. Not spending, I'm spending less and less time on social media platforms as a whole. I'm finding that they're not contributing to raising my energy. They're not um, um, like I'm just, it's not helping me get out of any kind of burnout. And the, uh, just the, uh, the manipulative addictive nature of the platforms themselves. I just, you know, it's like a gambling addict going for the slot machines every day even though you know that's what it does, but to just can't fucking stop. That's kind of what it does. I don't like the way it makes me feel. I love being in community with you all. And I'm I'm seriously contemplating taking it onto Patreon and just putting like 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 keeping lots of free posts, like free posts that I would usually put in the um, group or the um, public page even like anyone who's a patron 
get, gets access to like the patron posts. So I could easily put the posts in there instead of the group and, you know, anything for public, I can make available to public on Patreon as well. Um, and then it's not on Facebook. I'm seriously contemplating that. Just, I would really, really love to know your thoughts on that. If you want to send us an email at belgariadandbeyond at gmail.com or put a post in the public group or put a post in the, the private forum, the group, the private group on, on Facebook, or send us a direct message on Instagram because they're the places where you can find us at the moment. I would really, really love to know your mind, to, to, for you to share what you think about this specific thing because it's, it's getting more and more, uh, it's, it's, it's more and more weight in there around yeah. this idea for me. What, what, do, what, what do you have what, in your thoughts about that, Alicia? Well, I love that you're going there because I've been there. I mean, you know, my ongoing battle over the last few years is social media. I wouldn't say battle. That's the wrong word. I have been <laughs> feeling the pull for a long time, but I was resisting actually letting go of social media. Mm-hmm. Now I have. Like, I'll get in so briefly sometimes to just, you know, plop a thing in our publishing group or check our group here at Bulgaria. Then I'm out. I don't scroll. I don't look at other people's updates. I just, and it's true, there is an energy on social media that's not... I'm not aligned with that. Yeah. I don't feel good when I have it in my life. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, as you were talking about Patreon, like, I love that idea. I would definitely need to figure out how to get into it so I can be on it. But I think that's a really great idea. Well, you, so, I just, I, I either, um, the the patronage that we receive pays for your patronage so that you're on there or um must be a way for me to make you an admin on there as well right so which i'll just i will i'll investigate it but but um yeah i am i would really really love for um listeners for you to just contact us contact me and let me know where your head's at for this um yeah and um that's about that's about it this week i think thank you for hanging out with us and um i love that you're here thank you for the show alicia thank you all the work that you put into it each week it is a Um, pleasure it is a pleasure it's not something that i'm willing to let go of it helps to refill my well and yeah. it does take me longer to, I am allowing myself longer to do the work, not push, 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 pushing um, and sitting for like many, 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 many hours to push it out because I know that our listeners love us and want us to be well. So I'm giving myself right. space around that because I just need to or there won't be a show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 
Hey? I said I agree. Yeah. So, yep. Very, very interested to, to, to um, I really, really hope some of you um, contact us about the, the, the thoughts around the social media thing. It's really important to me and I really would value your input. Um, and well, until next week, I suppose. Yep. Yep. See you guys later. Bye.